it appears inflation isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So what really can an investor do about it? Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring to you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of April 4th, 2022, and today we're going to talk about inflation. Yes. Once again, and I probably don't even need to do my typical spiel today explaining why we're talking about inflation, because if you drive a car, you've seen higher gas prices. If you go to a grocery store, you've seen higher food prices. And if you travel, you'd see that things are booming back to business. So higher prices really are everywhere. And inflation is important to investors because it's important to the real economy and because it has an important impact on investment returns. And so to dive into those things today, I have a special guest joining the podcast, Sal Bruno. Sal is managing director at New York Life Insurance Company and the chief investment officer of Index IQ. Index IQ is a leading provider of alternative active fixed income and ESG exchange traded funds or ETFs. And Sal's responsible for overseeing all passive index-based strategies, ranging from proprietary index IQ indices to partnerships with third-party index providers. So Sal has an enormous amount of knowledge to bring to the table today. He's been spending a lot of time thinking about inflation, and so the timing couldn't be better. Sal, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Lauren. It's great to be with you today. Well, let's start at the top then, digging into this inflation question and, and take it really broad. What is your framework for thinking about inflation? Why has this hit your desk and it's important to you? I think the important part when thinking about inflation is looking at available solutions in the marketplace for clients and thinking of ways that people traditionally try to hedge inflation and thinking, are those sufficient or are there other better ways that we might want to think about inflation? And so a lot of people typically, when they think about inflation, will hold things like tips, bonds, and maybe gold as as sort of your historical inflation hedges. And they can actually work well. But I think it's important to think about inflation really from more of a multi-asset context and understanding the risk that you're taking with each strategy, understanding how different strategies can help you with different types of inflation, and also understanding how they fit together into a single portfolio. Makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you. And for our listeners, if you aren't familiar with TIPS, those are Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, as Sal said, a common tool used when considering inflation. So you're talking, Sal, about how to fit these different factors into a portfolio. Where do you even start? You know, how do you think about how to put them together in a in a given inflation regime? Well, the way we think about it is I think you do want to have some of those treasury inflation protected securities, otherwise known as tips, in the portfolio because they do have a built-in pricing mechanism. So as inflation ratchets higher, the price on those bonds tends to go up. And so you have some natural protection there. But when you think about tips, they are bonds after all, and bonds have a certain risk known as duration, which you can simply think about as the sensitivity to rising interest rates. And so I think it's important when you think about how you're going to construct this fixed income piece of the portfolio to think about how much risk you want to take if interest rates should happen to rise, but you don't get a corresponding increase in inflation. That could actually be a really bad situation for many TIPS bonds. And so when we think about putting TIPS into the portfolio, we want to include them, but we also want to make sure that we're using some shorter duration TIPS to try to manage some of that risk, to give us more of the exposure that we want. 
We then move across to look at equities. Equities have some really interesting characteristics when it comes to helping to provide sensitivity to inflation. And there are certain sectors that we know by nature of the way that the businesses of sectors are operating in that are going to provide a little bit more protection or a little bit more upside potentially when inflation starts to go up. Things like energy companies that are producing oil. As oil prices go up, energy companies tend to make more money or industrial type companies or materials. Also, we see raw material prices going up. There are other financially sensitive assets like financials, banks that tend to do a little bit better during inflationary environments. And so while you can have equities in the portfolio, we think it's important to maybe tilt the portfolio a little bit more towards some of those inflation-sensitive assets to try to increase that sensitivity. And of course, commodities have an important role in a portfolio. So we think it's important to have some broad-based commodity exposure to kind of round out different types of exposures to inflation. Wow, those are some really excellent and tangible investment ideas, Sal. I have a question for you, a follow-up. It's sort of a two-parter. The first is that when you were first describing why you might have to think more creatively or or outside the box when it comes to fixed income exposure, just as an example, it sounds to me as though there's a a trade-off between, on one hand, the the inflation side of the inflation story, prices moving higher, and then also the uh, potential for the higher rates that come with high inflation to then create a a sort of a drag on investment returns. And so that coupling, you know, both inflation and growth and valuations with higher discount rates, those are the types of factors really pushing an investor to potentially consider this multi-asset approach. I, I suppose there's a quick yes or no question. Is that the way you see it? You know, that is the way we see it. And I think you know many people look at ourselves included, look at inflation, not on a standalone basis, but also relative to growth. And you could think of sort of a two by two axis. So if you have inflation kind of going across the X axis and growth going up the Y axis, you have four possible different scenarios. You could have high inflation, high growth, high inflation, low growth, low inflation, high growth, and low inflation, low growth. And each one of those has a different prescribed asset allocation across the three different asset types we were discussing that may work well. And and of course, nobody knows with certainty which one is going to be. So if you have high inflation, high growth, you would have some persistent inflation. You know, that may work well if you have, you want to have exposure to equities and resource commodities, maybe shorter duration tips and some commodities there. But there is always the possibility that the Fed Reserve could overplay its hand and maybe get a little too aggressive on tightening interest rates in upcoming meetings, which could actually throw the economy into recession. And we certainly see what's going on with the spread in yields between two-year and 10-year Treasury bonds. And they've been pretty close to flat, sometimes even negative, which is often seen by economists as seeing potentially a recession on the horizon. So if you have high inflation and low growth or recession, you could have stagflation, in which case you may want to have exposure to some of the longer duration tips where interest rates may actually come down. And so that's why we think it's important just using those as examples to try to get diversified exposure to different asset classes that have different inflation sensitivities, because nobody really knows for sure exactly which one's going to play out. I really appreciate what you're saying, because you're taking what is a relatively simple but incredibly important investment concept of diversification and putting it into this this current context where uncertainty around both the growth side of the macro story and the inflation side of the macro story are high. It's highly uncertain what will happen next. And so by having a foundation, a diversified foundation in an investment portfolio where uh, investors can perhaps tweak on the edges or move longer, shorter duration, for example, as a scenario unfolds, provides them with a solid foundation from which to approach this inflation challenge. That's exactly right. And and if I could just offer, you know, we looked at the statistics on this as well. And looking at the correlation of kind of the three major asset classes, if you look at the correlation of tips to these more inflation sensitive equities, the correlations basically are close to zero there. So you get true diversification there. 
the correlation of the equities to the commodities is basically somewhere around 0.1, 0.15, so very low. And the highest correlation we see is tips to commodities, but even there, it's somewhere around 0.1 to 0.2. So you are, I think, getting true diversification across these three asset classes exactly to that point where we don't know what's going to happen and you want to have differentiated exposures. You beat me to it, Sal. <laughs> the, uh, the idea of how to put these different asset classes together, how to consider them, I think this correlation piece is extremely important. I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll put it to you then to, to close up our conversation and just ask if there's anything else you would say, any final words with respect to how these different asset classes fit together in a portfolio or perhaps a, a consideration that investors should be thinking about. We think the core position should be in these TIPS bonds. And so somewhere around 50 or 60% of the portfolio within this inflation net sensitive asset portfolio makes a lot of sense. We think a big chunk of the remainder, somewhere maybe around 30 to 40% makes sense to have in equities. Commodities are a terrific hedge against inflation. They also have two properties though where we may want to limit the weights. One is they have very high volatility. And so having them at a very high weight in the portfolio might expose you to a little bit too much volatility, more risk than an investor may be accustomed to or comfortable with. The other point is commodities do very well during inflation-sensitive times, during high inflation periods. But during periods of time where inflation is not quite as high, commodities may not do as well. And so therefore, there are other periods of time where their risk-adjusted returns aren't as good. So we do want to have them in the portfolio, but we don't want to have them as a key driver. So they maybe have somewhere around 10% in commodities. Sal, this has been incredibly informative. And I'm taking away two main ideas from our conversation. The first is that investors should be careful not to consider inflation in a vacuum, that classes that respond more directly to inflationary pressures may not always be the ones that provide the strongest risk-adjusted return in a portfolio. And so it's important to keep many asset classes in mind across inflationary regimes. And the second thing I'm taking from your comments is that in order to keep those cross currents in mind, a multi-asset approach to inflation may help in building resiliency in a portfolio. That's some very powerful insights, Sal. Thank you so much for joining us to share it. Thanks, Lauren. It was my pleasure. Coming up next, this week, I'm watching financial companies' earnings statements. Across the whole economy, we expect first quarter earnings results to be strong, but for guidance on the path ahead to be murkier. This first big week of results will be interesting, provide a good litmus test to what we might expect ahead. We'll also be seeing meeting minutes from the Federal Reserve, which gives us clues as to whether the market has the right idea in its current expectation, which is for a 50 basis point hike out of the Fed in its May policy meeting. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamox and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. There's no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an 
An assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. Index IQ is an affiliate of New York Life Investments. Not all products and services provided by Index IQ may be available to all investors, limited by applicable laws and regulation in certain jurisdictions. This material contains the views and opinions of certain investment professionals at Index IQ, which are not necessarily those of New York Life Investments. Opinion expressed are subject to change without notice. No part of this material may be reproduced at any form or referred to in any other publication without the express written permission of New York Life Investments. New York Life Investments is both a servant mark and a common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.